I remember singing the theme to MASH, which is Suicide is Painless, around the house for months. And all my mother said was, you really need to sing a, a new song. And that was it. We never spoke more than that about it. And it was like, oh, I don't know if I was intentionally throwing up a flag, but if I was, nobody saw it, you know. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I am your host, Todd Rennebaum. Hey, uh, I, I got a new computer, a new-to-me computer. Uh, it was extremely inexpensive, but I, I, I'm, I've never used a PC. I've only ever used Mac in my life, so if the next episode or two you hear some... The audio isn't 100% or, you know, there's some wacky stuff happening. I apologize. I'm, I'm learning this new computer. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, okay? But either way, great episode this week. It's with two lovely ladies, Anita Sands and Terry McGuire. I believe it's actually Dr. Anita Sands. Uh, she's a psychologist and life coach and other stuff that's cool. And they are both co-hosts of a podcast called Giving Voice to Depression. So we talk about the podcast, we talk about their experiences living with depression and anxiety. And Dr. Anita, she also lives with chronic fatigue syndrome, and she talks about that a little bit. Uh, next week, I'm speaking with the nameless narcissist. His name is actually Jacob, uh, and we're going to talk about all types of stuff around narcissism, personality disorder, and his diagnosis with that. Some of the stigmas, some of the, well, he just he, well, he's just an open book, really. He, he answers all types of questions about narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, I just want you to know, too, that there's some stuff happening with the podcast in the next while. Hopefully by um, Christmas, you'll be there'll be all types of new stuff, including prizes. Well, I've got a wonderful new sponsor, a co-op, and they are going to be giving away co-op gift cards. Co-op is mostly Western Canada. There's some in Eastern Canada, but my American listeners, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, you're not going to win. Well, I mean, you could win some co-op gift cards, but you couldn't use them anywhere, I don't think. Hopefully this is on YouTube soon uh, by Christmas, and I'm going to be doing a, a second episode a week. It'll be a, a shorter episode, probably, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes long, and they're going to be solo, so it's just going to be me talking. Um, hopefully I don't ramble on as much <laughs> as I do in the intros, but, you know, there'll be a, a theme to that episode. It's not just going to be me rambling about rambling. I get messages and, and emails and things all the time. People telling me how they've benefited from the podcast, uh, from my guests. And really, this is considered a free mental health service. So if you could help a free mental health service by all, all you, all you got to do is just rate and review the podcast on Apple podcast. That would be amazing. It literally takes seconds. More people will be able to find the podcast because it gets a higher rating and we could just help more people with a free mental health service. Please just rate and review. And if you want, you can follow my social medias on Instagram. It's bunny hugs podcast on TikTok, bunny hugs podcast and on Facebook, bunny hugs mental health. Okay, now on to this week's episode with Anita and Terry. So without further ado, I give you Anita and Terry. Let's start with Anita. What 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 got you into mental health and podcasting and like your own mental health journey? What what did that look like? 
Oh my gosh, my own mental health journey. That's a long one. I'm going to have to shorten that up. 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds. Okay, no. boom. Okay, daughter of um, Holocaust survivor, lots of PTSD and substance abuse and, you know, kinds of issues trying to deal with PTSD in my household. Um, always knew that I wanted um, to do something to be helpful and to be of service. That's kind of like a big motivator for me. And so in addition to sort of helping me understand and, and heal from things, I, um, I wanted to, to be that for other people. So um, got a PhD in clinical psychology, um, started out my career actually doing some hospice work, which I really, really loved. Um, have been in private practice for a long time with my husband, who is um, a Vietnam veteran. We're both psychologists, long practice. And, um, the podcast is, is Terry's baby that she, you know, she let me hold, you know, she lets me hold it occasionally <laughs> weekly yeah. and baby it, <laughs> which I, which I feel absolutely incredibly grateful for that opportunity. Anytime I feel like there's the chance to reach more than one person and, you know, provide good information and support and the message that, you know, you're not alone in going through major struggles and challenges. Um, I'm all about that. Um, my my personal issue that I think really helps me in this area is that I'm a lifelong sufferer of uh, what's what used to be called chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, mm. It's now called MECFS, and um, it basically just stops you functioning in your tracks and gives you many of the same physical, mental, cognitive. Um, issues as somebody undergoing clinical, a uh, clinical depressive episode. So not being able to get any energy, get out of bed, um, function, be able to do all the things that you want to do in your life. Um, brain not working. Um, sleep is non-restorative. You can't exercise all kinds of things that I think um, my clients with severe depression, I can relate to that. They can relate to having CFS. Mm. Also very similar that it's a post-viral syndrome, very similar to long COVID. So, you know, folks who are dealing with long COVID, that's been my life. That's been learning how to manage that and, and get to good, healthy functioning in spite of it. Hmm. So that's a, that's a lot. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So that, uh, hmm. sorry, I, the, what, what was it? C CFS? CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, and it's right. now, it now goes by M E CFS, which stands for, I can never say it correctly, but it's myalgic encephalomyelitis. So it's a oh, very wow. fancy word for the fact that you have um, problems with muscle, energy, um, cognitive brain functioning all at the same time. Um, again, a lot like what, what, what we're seeing with long COVID too. Oh. So that's a physical it's, thing. It's not a, that's right. not like, it's like hardware, not software or no, I don't know. Computers. Um, the jury's out. There's actually, there's actually both factors related to uh -huh. virus um, predisposition towards autoimmune disorders, um, environmental factors. There's, there's just a lot that we still don't know about it, but luckily thanks. I should say thanks to COVID. If there's anything we could be thankful for about COVID, um, because so many people were developing long COVID, which is a post-viral syndrome, similar to chronic fatigue syndrome, there's now more research being done into looking at what exactly are these post-viral syndromes that people can get that can affect their functioning. 
Hmm. So. I, I have wide COVID. Wide COVID. I don't know. I'm just being a smart <laughs> ass. I'm wide and long COVID. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like that would be even worse in some ways. Terry, one of the great benefits. Oh, I was going to say about Anita first. One of the great benefits of having Anita as co-host is it's nice to have someone. I mean, I'm sorry you have a chronic illness, but to um, be able to relate to depression as a chronic illness. You know, it's not somebody who's seeing it as all the other things it can be seen as. I think that that perspective really helps um, in a lot of ways when we're having our discussions. Well, you yeah. both have the great fact that people don't voice. understand it, it, it. You know, people don't understand it, don't know how to help you if you have it. All of those mm-hmm. kinds of parallels. Mm-hmm. Don't really believe it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For decades and decades in the, in the medical field. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I worked in addictions too, you noticed that clients gravitated towards people that worked there that had the same life experience yes. uh, with addiction. I'm not saying that people that go to school for addictions mm-hmm. that don't have that life experience aren't also, uh, you know, True. capable or they anything. play a role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, just for whatever reason, you know, that's peer why it's support. peer support. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You feel understood because they have a shared experience. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So Terry, t- t- tell me about, whoa, did you hear that stutter? You are very critical of yourself. <laughs> that's just my normal speech, Todd. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, tell me about your life experience with, uh, with mental health issues or, or why you are gravitated towards um, mental health subject. I'll pick the second question. Um, <laughs> well, I, I live with depression. Um, I, I know I've had it probably preteens, but I, I'm very aware early teens, like 13 uh, on, and it hasn't been debilitating until my fifties. Then it was just really something. And uh, it was the first time I was ever taken down. You know, I'd had bad, whatever, weeks, maybe months, but this was years. Um, And that was largely because I didn't identify it as an illness and did not seek any kind of treatment. I just believed everything that my mind was telling me. But in the process of that, I had a niece die, not by suicide. And I wanted to do something in her memory. I trained to also work in hospice, Anita, and then um, started working in a crisis line and actually quit because my depression got so bad that I told my boss, I think I qualify as a caller. And we all laughed, you know, and I was so not kidding. And I went home and just sunk into it. And because of my frustration with, as soon as I realized, you know, and, and there was like an event that made me kind of go, oh, I really need to get some outside help here. As soon as I was treated, I'm one of those lucky people who responds to antidepressants. I'm not an advocate for them other than I say, you do whatever you got to do to get out of that hole. Um, I'm not currently on them, but without them, I think I may have stayed there. So I was, it was weeks later and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not thinking about dying. I'm not all the things I had been doing and just accepting as like, well, this is how my life is now. And then I thought, oh, I have got to save somebody out there from wasting all those months, years by not treating it like an illness. 
And I had been a reporter. I'd been a, a broadcast journalist. And I knew how to do interviews. I had been a voiceover talent. So I knew how to edit audio. And I thought, that almost sounds like a podcast. And I thought, give it a try. No research, nothing. Just dove in one day in 2017 and have produced an episode every week since. So I think it was just the thought that what would have helped me, other than like getting my self <laughs> to to a doctor, um, would have been hearing other people saying like, oh, no, no, wait, don't think that you are actually, you know, destined for suicide. You are having those thoughts because it can be a symptom of depression. If somebody had said that to me, that would have been game changing. If somebody said to me, oh, are you feeling this, 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 this? Oh, those are seven common characteristics or or whatever the right word is of depression, it would have been like, oh, cool. Because otherwise I have lost my worth as a human being, which is what I was thinking, which is way worse because it's not treatable. So I, I thought that I could use my experience, my lack of experience for for that period of time and my skills to to try to reach some other people who weren't necessarily in a position of reaching out because they might also not have identified it. They might not have access to a therapist, all that stuff. So it was literally meeting them where they were, which is where I would like to have been met, which would probably have been my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, are you hitting on me? Wait. <laughs> the second the word bed came out of my mouth, I regretted it. <laughs> I, I just thought right away, I should have said my couch. Oh my God. <laughs> You're inviting people to your. That doesn't matter. The no second I said it. <laughs> no, but literally, when when I do teletherapy, especially during COVID, there were a lot of times that's exactly where people were. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. that's where they were. So I just yeah. said you got to have clothes or pajamas on. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> the beauty of COVID too. No, it's not beauty. Also, if it, another nice thing that came about from COVID is the whole um, online therapy stuff. Like I'm oh, sure yes. it was going on before over the phone, but now, but then it just became mm-hmm. so much more accessible. Uh, like you can have a therapist in Antarctica, like it doesn't much matter as long as you find someone that's mm-hmm. fitting for you. It's, a, a, you mm-hmm. know, as before I was like, I live in a small community and it's like, well, I got that guy to go. Right. To. Mm-hmm. And, right. You know, Who but, knows half of the people you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm talking about him. He's my dad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I should have warned you, Anita. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> um, do, do you find that it's a generational thing too? Like uh, uh, talking about mental health and like, like you said, you wish you knew more about it when you were 13, 14. And like, I'm pretty sure it just, no one was talking about when you were 13 and 14. So of course you weren't going to talk about it. No, that was a really long time ago. I'm definitely the oldest person on this call. That was a long time ago. Um, no, absolutely. And and yes, I think it's generational. And I think it is absolutely fabulous how kids these days, and I sound my age when I call them kids, are talking about it. There is just no shame. It is wild yeah. to just hear the way they just talk about it. Like they would say they have the flu or a headache or anything else that is impeding them from being their best selves. And that's how it's going to change. That's how stigma is going to change. That's how treatment's going to change. That's how all sorts of things are going to change. So 
kind of flipped your generational question around. But yes, I think way back when I was 13 and early 70s. So that was a very different time. We just, it wasn't, um, it's not that we did, you know, keep that in the house. This is shameful. It, we didn't get that far. You know, I remember singing the theme to MASH, which is Suicide is Painless, around the house for months. And all my mother said was, you really need to sing a, a new song. And that was it. We never spoke more than that about it. And it was like, oh, I don't know if I was intentionally throwing up a flag, but if I was, nobody saw it, you know. <laughs> right. And Anita, you're a, you're a psychologist and a, a life coach? Yes. Yeah. I also do some, some coaching um, on the side, which I mainly work with a neurodivergent population. I'm neurodivergent myself. Um, Me too. So I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think also, you know, it, there are, there are definitely, you know, strengths that come with that. There are also some challenges as I'm sure, you know, as well. Um, but I really, really enjoy um, my coaching with clients to try um to try to manage living in a world where you're the minority and, mm -hmm. um, and trying to, trying to deal with that when our brains and our nervous systems work completely, <laughs> completely differently from other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really enjoy that. But yeah, I love, I love being a psychologist. I love being a therapist. Um, COVID was challenging for everybody. Therapists though, also, because the, the demand went sky high at a time that you know, we were dealing with the exact same, you know, stresses as everybody else, uh, working from home with our families and all the, you know, the chaos that was going on. But, you know, we got, we've gotten through that. And like you said, one of the benefits is being able to reach so many people um, virtually uh, was something that, yes, in, in theory and technically you could do before. And now it's just a thing. Now it's just how we do business. Mm. Right. And, and do you find that younger clients are a lot more open than older clients because of the absolutely. same Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah. Without the, uh, without as much of this, um, as Terry was saying this, there, there's no shame. So with that, when you don't, you don't have to start by trying to make, make it a safe place to talk about things. They just need to know, are we a good match? You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they just want to know, will we work well together? Just the two of us, because they don't come, come in feeling badly about having any issues that they want to talk about or deal with. And, um, I love that boy. It just I makes getting that. into it. <laughs> you can just get into it and start working yeah. on stuff so much more quickly. And I love it that they're not carrying around this, the shame that people of our generation and, and, and even the one after us, um, uh, I think maybe we did something right, Terry, you know, by, <laughs> by try, trying to say there should be no shame. Um, I just love finally. that it seems like it's, yeah. it's, it's hit there. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. finally you did something right. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just... We've certainly been yelling it from the rooftops that, you know, that everybody, <laughs> everybody can make use of therapy. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. Now there are, you know, people are advocating for like, even if you don't like, don't wait until your tank is empty to see a therapist, like just, just make it a, it's like brushing your teeth or seeing a hygienist or whatever, you know, it's like, just mm -hmm. make it part of your monthly routine. Yeah. So it doesn't get, yeah. If point. you've got something chronic, it should be exactly like that it should be like seeing the dentist, make sure you're, you keep your check-ins, you know, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's not a chronic thing, then I tell people think about therapy the way you think about when do you get an attorney involved in your life? 
when you've got a legal issue that comes up that you need some expert, you know, assistance with to navigate the system. And so if you don't have something chronic you're dealing with, we're here for the crisis. We're here for when, when something does come up, you know, and, you know, we're trying to be here for whatever it is, chronic or, or acute stuff. Hmm. Um, so this is something I, I wonder, <laughs> and I might be just dumb. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. No, drinking. No, cola. there's no, no. <laughs> um, do you think that because is there a danger of making people too sensitive is like, you know, I, we have to go and see a therapist anytime anything's happening now, or I'm starting to make things a bigger deal in my brain because everyone's pushing, you know, therapy at me or pushing mental health stuff at me. And, and so then they're, is this a trauma? I've been traumatized. And when it hasn't been a trauma, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm playing the devil's advocate a little bit here, but do, do you think that's, there's a possibility for that? Well, sure. I think, I think extreme ends of any continuum are not, are not healthy. So if we've got people who are, as you're saying, so sensitive that their functioning in, in life is being impaired because of that sensitivity. And again, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm neurodivergent. I'm a highly sensitive person, all of that. So I would be very hesitant to ever say there aren't strengths and gifts with any particular you know trait. But if, if high sensitivity is preventing you from functioning well in your life and your relationships, that's an issue. But can you go to the other extreme and, and never label something a trauma that was a trauma that is actually also impacting your ability to function. Yeah. So I'm always looking for what's the healthy balance in the middle. Can you be too much or too little? Yes. And, and sometimes that depends on who you're around. Cause a lot of times I've told people that, you know, you can be, try not to say that you're too sensitive. You might be more sensitive though than everybody else in the room. And that could become an issue. So we can talk about that. So I'm both hesitant to ever pathologize something and make it a bad thing. Um, but I always do say we want to look for balance if we're going to try to to be healthy and mentally healthy. It's about balance. What about society as a whole? Do you think maybe that the society as a whole could possibly get too sensitive and everyone is now a victim of something and everyone is, you know, running to therapy for for anything? I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. You're you're really asking a psychologist something that you probably need a sociologist or a cultural anthropologist to answer. Fine, um, forget it. <laughs> yeah, could, could we, as a society become too sensitive? Show show me the evidence for that. I mean, do we have evidence? Hurt my that feelings now. Are too too sensitive. Too I think we've got a lot of evidence that more evidence that people are insensitive. That that that's what that's what Terry and I are. That's why we've got the podcast, I think, is we're trying to increase sensitivity, especially towards people who are different, people who are other, people who have invisible illnesses of some kind. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to be too sensitive there. That was a joke. <laughs> but um, You could only just be more sensitive than the rest of us. Uh, you can be too sensitive. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think, yeah, I think society in general um it's becoming very extremes are getting more like things are getting stretched out more and there's yes. less gray so many arenas like. yes mm-hmm. less, less balance less understanding mm-hmm. less tolerance less 
yep. civility. Yeah. I, I'd agree with you with all of those, all of those things that I'm seeing too. Me too. So, so Terry, do you think, oh, okay, let me try, sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying to word this in my brain here. Uh, I'll probably find think... it to Anita anyway. Oh, thanks, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about the podcast. Okay, I can baby. do that. Okay, I can uh, do that. Do you think Society with the pod- stuff I'm afraid to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the podcast, do you think you are helping those that are saying, oh, society's too sensitive now? And those kind of people that happen to listen to your podcast realize like, oh, okay, no, this is, you know, maybe I'm being too harsh on folks. Maybe this is an actual thing. My first thought was they're probably not listening. Um, Probably. But some who are, I, I remember one guy who actually ended up doing an episode when I told him what I did, he was like, ah, yeah, and then he said, um, well, maybe I didn't, maybe I did his ex-wife, maybe I didn't understand what she was going through. And then I was actually dating a guy who said I was just like that. And till I got, until I got a call from my daughter's school, that if I didn't pick her up and bring her to an inpatient program, he, they didn't think she'd survive the school year. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. You know, and you know, and if <laughs> I don't, oh no, I'm sure there are people who could benefit from listening and get tuned in a little bit because we're hardly saying every little thing is a big thing because that that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. But you're certainly there are times it all registers on a higher scale. But I don't think most of the people who think depression is a weakness or a character flaw are tuning in to giving voice to depression. Mm-hmm. What what are your thoughts, Anita? Did I get that? Even did that yeah, make sense? No, perfectly stated. Okay. I, I would I would agree with you. I mean, it's a guess, but I think the people who find the podcast are either suffering or mm-hmm. care about somebody who is, which means they're likely taking it right. pretty seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my guess as well. Yeah. You never know. There might be uh you've interviewed someone that is going through something and they're like telling their dad or mom or brother to check it out, and then they're like, Oh, oh, oh okay. yes. That happens. That definitely happens. And it's happened within my own family. Um, there wasn't anyone in my family, my children, my siblings included, who knew I had depression, which is all kinds of things. But we have definitely had people say, I'll tell you my story, and then I'll decide you know, what, whether or not they're even going to tell people that it was done. And then they have shared it with their family and gotten a very different um level of understanding and support as a result of them understanding just how much this is affecting them. And it doesn't have to continue to affect you every day that much. You know, you can, there are ebbs and flows, even in someone who has it chronically. But, you know, when you're having the really bad, you know, you can also at some point, fortunately, at least my experience come out of it. And it's really nice to know that you are still loved when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's one reason I like doing this podcast Right, is hoping that like, it's awesome that people that are suffering, you know, find some solace in, in the podcast, Sure, but it, it's, it's another thing, educating people that were maybe ignorant or, um, didn't Absolutely. understand before and, or, you know, learn a little empathy and a little better understanding, but, uh, yep. so yeah. Um, I have a family member who recently called and and she had her first panic attack and she said i am starting to understand your world 
And I said, are you depressed? And she said, no, but I just had an anxiety attack and I've never had one. So it's like the world of mental illness or mental unwellness or whatever we want to call it. And she is listening now regularly. And we talk about anxiety. We talk about bipolar disorder because of the Venn diagram, how they overlap, but we don't talk about anxiety as a separate subject. And yet she is gaining understanding in how you have the conversation, which she's never had before. So it's helping her, even though it's a different illness, talk to her husband, talk to her doctors, those kinds of things, and just feel more normal about it. Mm -hmm. And again, that's another thing I think COVID has helped kind of, again, it's unfortunate that there's a lot of people that maybe would have never experienced some kind of mental health issue Mm -hmm. because of COVID Mm -hmm. and isolation and all this stuff they Mm -hmm. have. So I don't know, maybe it's going to be a, the next while it's a renaissance for mental health and mental illness. What do you think? think Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. If you you look at the demand for therapists Mm -hmm. and how it has grown exponentially um, from the beginning of the pandemic, I would say most sure, most assuredly we're, we're seeing people, experiencing mental health issues and reaching out for the kind of help that we haven't seen. You know, I just haven't seen it that way. So every therapist that I know of has a waiting list or, you know, it can be really, really, really tough to find somebody right now. And that was never, that was never the case before. So people are making, making mm-hmm. better use of, of the mm-hmm. resources. Just you must ahead. be rich then. Today's episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health is brought to you by Co-op. I've been a member of my local co-op, Sherwood Co-op, for, oh, about 25 years, I think. My co-op is one of more than 150 local independent cooperative associations in more than 600 communities across Western Canada. Co-op is a different kind of business. It's not just a gas bar or a grocery store, although co-op is those things too. At its core, co-op is a group of people working together to help their neighbors and build their community. Co-op members are owners and success is shared with everyone. Your co-op doesn't benefit one person or one corporation. Your co-op was built for everyone. Your co-op was built for your community. Learn more about co-op and find a location near you at co-op.crs. <laughs> I don't think any, no I don't think any therapist is is rich but to be able to to make a living doing what I love and feeling like I can help people that's 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 it for me. I'm good. <laughs> I'm thinking no one in mental health is Todd. I, how, are yeah, you not the field to go into the podcast. The business school might have been a better Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh I think I think probably the same goes for addiction right now too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. somewhat, I mean, there's still a huge stigma in, with, yep. uh, addictions, but yep. I think some people are getting it more than they would have because of COVID. I mm-hmm. could be wrong about that, but. No, I don't think you are. Hmm. Yay. We're all sad and addicted. <laughs> Everyone knows what it feels like now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new norm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one way to end the stigma, I guess, is let everybody get it. Oh dear. <laughs> we don't want that, but no, we don't. It increases right. empathy. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Mm. And and Terry, with your you you've got this movie that you're trying to promote. Mm-hmm. And so you've noticed since 
starting the podcast, a lot of um, patterns, I'd say, with right with depression, especially and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about maybe like what those patterns are and if you were surprised at them or was there any surprises, I guess, in general? I think it's always a surprise when you realize that your experience, especially if it's one that you thought was uniquely yours, isn't. So when I would have been doing it for years, Nita, I tried it. We started in 2017. It was probably like 2020, 2021 that I started sort of thinking, oh, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Oh, that's the exact same word that another guest used to describe, you know, and I don't ask everybody the same questions. If I did, wow, could we have some good compilation episodes? But enough people had described their depression and or their suicidal thoughts in the same terms that it occurred to us that we needed to get that information out. Because if if you think that you're thinking, it's a, I'm a burden, I will always feel this way, why bother, what's the point, all of those kinds of thoughts, first of all, you believe them because you're already in a weakened state and and because it's your own voice saying it, and you were kind of taught to believe ourselves and our thoughts, but it's not, it's depression. And to to realize that it's a symptom and not a truth is really important and really empowering and potentially life-saving. And so we put together a video and it was no easy task going through at that point, 300 episodes, trying to remember if John also said, why bother? And John did. Um, so so we sort of put them together so that you could hear what it was. And then we played it. Oh, Anita just disappeared. And see that. then we played it for some people and got their reaction. And there was what we expected, like surprise and comfort and under, a deeper understanding of, of what the reality is by saying, oh, it's not just me. And then we talked with a, a CBT, a cognitive behavioral therapist, uh, about how you can actually change the neural pathways that there's some plasticity and we don't get real sciencey about it, but just how you can challenge the thought, change the behavior, and that can change your feelings. And all three of those things work in the other direction too, but that you don't have to keep believing those thoughts when you get them. Hmm. I've, I found it very ironic that feeling lo- alone in what you're feeling is one of the most common ones too. So it's like, oh, I feel gosh, alone, yes. but everybody feels alone. <laughs> so which being alone. Yes. It's, and there is, you know, hashtag you're not alone. And everybody says you're not alone. And when you go to the big national mental health organizations and foundations, everything says you're not alone. And I remember how alone I was, you know, I am, live alone. I'm alone in this community. I was alone in my room. I'll use that word instead of the B word. (laughs) And I would reject that. You know, if someone had said to me, you're not alone, I would say, oh yeah, you see anybody? You see anybody here cheering me up, making me a little meal, scratching my back and telling me I'm going to come out of this. I am alone. I was alone. We, I think it might help, and I'm trying to do it more to communicate that you're not alone in the experience. You're not the only one having this experience. Now, does misery love company? Does that make anybody feel any better? I don't know that it would help, would have helped me to know that you were also really low and hopeless. But out of it, it sure helps. 
you know, because now I can kind of understand it. And I do think that understanding has helped me not go back in. I do mm -hmm. think that when I start to have those thoughts, start to have those feelings that I don't go, okay, now I'm back to seeing clearly. Now I'm back to understanding how worthless I am and that I will always feel this way and never, ever, ever be loved or accepted or all those things that you think. Now I go, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 fool me, you know, one million times. But <laughs> now now I, I can kind of stop it earlier. There's going to be a time, I suspect, that I just get taken down. But I do think there's enormous power in knowing your early warning signs, in mm -hmm. knowing those thoughts, in not taking the one thought and turning it into a, this applies to everything and it's permanent I think that there are a lot of things that we can learn that help us stay on this side of that really, you know, right, right. When you get to that edge, it is slippery as hell. And, and I just go down. So I'm trying really hard to stay away from that edge now. And so mm -hmm. I think that was a long answer to, yes, we're not alone. And I think saying you're not alone can be a little problematic to someone who is sitting in a chair, laying on their couch all mm -hmm. alone. Yeah, one of the reasons I feel alone is because I push everyone away from me too. So it's well, exactly. It's like, all right, can, want to come over for a coffee or something? No, nope. not at all. <laughs> no, nope. I don't even answer the text or the phone, so yeah, they exactly. wouldn't even be able to ask me that. Yeah, if I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I drop to the floor if I see someone coming to the door. It is like, oh hell no, you cannot see me like this. You cannot see my house like this. Mm -hmm. So, so okay. this video that yes. uh, you made with what are what well first off what's it called and what are your plans it's called with? pulling back the curtain on depression's lies and our hope is to get mental health organizations foundations it could be a school district it could be a therapist's office it could be a behavioral health hospital or for a facility to well, they can buy. I mean, it's a weird word to use, but to to sponsor it. So they would get their brand, their logo on the video, and then they would have their own link that they can use, and then they have access to it. They can put it on their website. They can use it. It is such a good video. It's only 10 minutes long because I made it for NAMI National, um, their conference, and that was the time limit. So they can use it as a starting point for a panel discussion. And that that is, I've done it a couple of times now, and I've found it really incredibly effective. I think that hearing that would start the conversation at such a different place. You know, as Anita said earlier, you know, when kids come in and say, I'm, I think I'm depressed, or I'm having suicidal thoughts, it is such a different place than my mom says, I have to come in to you because I'm being a brat, and I'm using a different B word than I would normally use. Um, and to say, how about these thoughts? Listen to this. Any of these? And somebody can say, no, none of them. You know, lucky you. But if they're coming in there with depression, there's a real good chance that that's the playlist in their head. And then you start there. And gosh, did you skip a lot of time? And, and can you uh, think about somebody who might be actually nearing being suicidal? There isn't a lot of time. You know, you don't have weeks to get them comfortable having that conversation. And they might not have the money to come weekly or bi-weekly or whatever. So if you can start there, it's just a, it's just a game changer. Because 
I didn't know it. I mean, and not that I'm some all-knowing being. I mean, I didn't know it. And I interview someone about their depression every single week and live with it. So, you know, it was years in before I went, oh my, my gosh, it's the same. It's telling us. And, and the metaphor I use is the bully, because I think depression is a bully. And I think of a bully on a playground. And again, we're going back to very long ago when I was a kid, but the trifecta was fat, stupid, and ugly. Probably can't even use those words anymore. So I'm not calling anybody that. I'm just saying that's what it was when I was growing up. And I was called fat, stupid, and ugly. And, you know, you're like, wow, I'm those things. But if you heard it, that bully tell someone you knew wasn't fat or someone you knew wasn't stupid or someone you knew wasn't ugly, the same three words, you'd be like, that's just not true. So not everything he says, not everything the bully says, didn't mean to gender it, um, is true. Well, now we can do that with depression. You know, mm-hmm. once you realize it's telling everybody the same thing and how could it be telling, you know, some Olympic athlete that she's worthless or that he's worthless or that they're worthless. Of course not, you know, or a captain of a universe or whomever we think of as having probably more worth than ourselves. So I think that that's the power in it. At least it is for me. And I truly hope it is for others. So if you're in Mm -hmm. Canada, talk to Todd about it. If you're in the U S talk to me about it, because the more hands we can get in, the more eyes, what, I just heard your, your little Wisconsin accent for a second there. You what did tad, I say? I flattened tad. some Todd. I flattened some ball. Whenever I feel my mind, like, Todd. Sorry. Talk to Todd, Todd about it. Talk to Todd. <laughs> talk to Todd. I'll get all I'll get all fancy on you. Talk, please talk to Todd. <laughs> yes, Todd. Um well watching the watching the video, uh, you know, like I, I've worked in addictions. I had gone through all types of stuff myself, including a, mm-hmm. an, an attempt and I yeah. do the podcast. And that goddamn 10 minute video it made me emotional. I was like, I was not prepared for that. I know. Um, so I, I, know. I was surprised. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, Anita, were, are you part of the, the video or is that uh, a separate thing from? Right. Okay. But the podcast from which the audio came, you co host, <laughs> and she's on the board. <laughs> And yeah, she's part of it. <laughs> I'll take that. credit for that. That's an amazing video. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, no, that's that's Terry. Terry did an amazing job with the noticing the commonalities in, you know, like I'm sure you just said this, Terry, but just literally word for word, the the message is that depression speaks to every every person. They really don't mm-hmm. shift and change very much. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like one of the ways that clinicians um, therapists, psychologists can yes. know that that's what you're dealing with when you hear those right, those right. same words coming out of somebody's mouth. I wish universal. someone had told me. I wish a therapist had said to me, you know, in the years, decades, I've gone to therapy for depression, you know, hey, this, 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 and this are sort of what it says. But mm-hmm. I've never heard that. No one's ever said that to me. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure that that's anything that I read. It's just definitely one of those things that once you work with, you know, hundreds of people, you keep, you know, you hear the same thing, you know, related to a particular diagnosis that, mm-hmm. that the person's going to going to be thinking about or, or experiencing or saying. So I think it's so powerful that if we can get those phrases out, that this is what depression will say. Yep. And you realize if you're, oh, I'm hearing that, or I'm thinking that I'm telling myself that, that lets people know, okay, we got to take a look at this. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. Do you do you as a therapist do you talk to people with all types of different mental illnesses or is it mostly mm-hmm. anxiety depression? Um well, I mean you will always have anxiety and depression for for probably 25 years. I specialized in uh, working with eating disorders as well. Mm. Um, there's certainly huge overlap of anxiety, depression, and neurodivergency with, with that population. Um, but yeah, yeah. Depression is so, it is, it is so prevalent that, um, it will be, I would say depression, anxiety are going to make up the majority of, of most therapist practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I used to think depression was its own standalone thing and anxiety was its own standalone thing but mm-hmm. uh, the older i've gotten and also being diagnosed with adhd and yep. addiction and stuff is like oh you know everyone's anxiety and depression looks different because it's probably a symptom of something else mm-hmm. and some people say comorbidity but i actually think it's just a symptom <laughs> it's not a it's not a standalone thing at all mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's it's tricky and it's good to it's good to to meet with somebody who can help tease out, you know, uh, what's what and, and, and what kinds of things go along with other things. But yeah, cause it is, it's very complex. It's, it's a complicated combination of, of things that most people are, are going to experience. We're not simple people. Why would our mental health be simple? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brain's like the most complicated part of our body. So <laughs> You you bring up um, addiction and and you know the dual diagnosis and I think that that is another place where there can be an enormous amount of shame. And mm-hmm. when I interview the guests, I'm always like, I think it is really human to try to do kind of anything that is going to make you feel better when you feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And I know um, for myself, it was going into COVID that I went. You know, once I realized it wasn't two weeks long, and I thought. I am going to be even more alone. And and you know, I don't know how long this is going to last. And, you know, I just sort of took a look around. It was like, I think I need to stop drinking because I thought if I if this is a thing and if I'm all alone and if they're, you know, everything's changing and I what am I going to do? Go out and get a case of wine? Yeah, I might have. So that was when I stopped. And I think that was probably one of the healthiest things I could have done to protect myself. And I don't know why I was able to, because I certainly had tried other times. But it's a it's a very common thing, and I think it's a very understandable thing. So I would just hope that anybody who's dealing with with two or more, you know, with multiple things, doesn't mm-hmm. think like, okay, well, I'll talk about the depression because apparently that's okay to talk about these days, mm-hmm. and not mention how you happen to be self treating, self managing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one second. So this is also something very very new, brand okay. new, first interview ever that I'm doing it. I've got a new sponsor. And they are sponsoring a segment. So it's that time for my brand new uh, segment. It's called That Some Bunny Special. The segment where we chat about who cooperated in your mental health journey and helped fill your emotional fuel tank. Brought to you by Co-op. So, yes. so Anita, who, who is there somebody, you know, we don't have, this doesn't have to be a long segment, but just is there somebody that you want to, you know, give recognition to that uh, helped you through through life? A bit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, good. First Terry. of all, it have I'm I'm gonna throw it to my my husband and my business good. partner. Um, and thank goodness, you know, when I developed chronic fatigue syndrome, 
Um, he had actually been diagnosed with that, you know, many, many decades prior and had personal experience with it. And so, oh my gosh, to be able to have somebody that close to me who had had the lived experience of going through severe chronic fatigue, even before it had a name, um, he was going through it and managing it. That, that meant everything. He understood exactly what my experience was and did the most to help me feel like, you know, do not beat up on yourself because you can't function the way that you always have been. Cause you know, that's, that's where I feel like I have a lot of understanding of what it feels like to deal with depression and other mental health issues. But I had to rely on so many people to do things that I had always been able to do, but even little things like I have to make a choice between having the energy to come home and fix dinner, but not being able to pick up my daughter from school. I could do one or the other and, and having to ask friends and, and people to, you know, to help who didn't really, I think, understand at the time why I needed that. I don't even think my explanations help them understand, but at least they accepted it and they stepped up. But um, having somebody who both understood from lived experience and was there and had my back, I'm I'm giving a shout out to my husband, Don, just an amazing person. Nice. Maybe he gave it to you. Is it contagious? <laughs> no, I definitely got it from a horrible case of mono back in oh. college as an undergraduate that sent me <laughs> home from the so university. So someone else gave you mono. Yeah, wow. somebody did. I don't know. Yeah. Who. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's that's pretty well that you guys both yeah. have this thing that mm -hmm. very little people know about. Huh? Yeah, really. What are the chances? Hmm. And Terry, right. how about you? Not as clear. Um, I would have to probably go with my little sister um, mm. for the fact that we have more shared experiences from our childhood. Um, so we kind of know how we got depression. And so when I'm in it, I'm just going to say I can call her. I, I don't call somebody when I'm in it, but <laughs> she understands if and when I do talk about it and vice versa. Um, there's also that great check. We've never, we have never lived in the same state as adults or, or part of the country. So it's not like she's there to help, but she's there. You don't live in a state with adults? What? <laughs> Did I say we don't live in a state as adults? To, as adults. Oh, right, right. With right. adults. <laughs> Since we've there, been adults. There are some states that don't have adults. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about, I'm not even going to talk about where I live. Uh, but if I'm, when I'm talking very negatively and processing things through a very dark lens, she will call me out on that. And it's that great question. Is everybody disappointing you? Are you mad at everyone? And it's like, oh. Yeah. And we tend to go on and off antidepressants at the same time. It's like, I think maybe I need to go back on. And then shortly after she tends to, and then I'm like, I think I can try going off again. And she tends to. So I'll give Bridget a shout out. <laughs> ah, nice. Um, so any plans on ending the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's my fancy way of saying, what, 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 what do you, what's holding you two what the hell am i trying to say that wasn't fancy at all was it, it was so sad <laughs> like ending it what <laughs> what i'm trying to ask is uh what 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 does the future look like for the podcast just keep going just go anita slow and steady oh i just i hope it goes i hope it goes and goes and goes um 
yeah, Terry's the one who handles, you know, um, funding, but although the board is, you know, we're, we're there to support her and back her and try to come up with some good ideas. But yeah, my, my, my hope is it goes on because it is, we know it's reaching a lot of people and we, we know that it's getting a good response. And for a podcast about depression, I think that's amazing, just truly amazing. And again, this is, this is Terry's baby. I've come in very, very late in the game, just very grateful to be a part of it, but it's doing good. We know that we hear it from our, our followers. We get lots and lots of listener uh, feedback, which is great. Um, and so I just hope it keeps going. So me too, yeah. me too. It's always funding, you know, funding's always the issue and energy, you know, we're <laughs> at 360 some episodes and that's been one a week and, you know, for 360 some weeks. So, but it is a, you know, it's a, not a job. It's not just a job. You know, it's a mission. And mm-hmm. I do feel very passionately about it. I think it is one of my protective factors, as we've discussed in episodes, that having a purpose, mm-hmm. having a reason to get out of bed as a, you know, you really can't just roll over, you know, Tuesday mornings at 530 in the morning, I'm posting and, you know, I have never once gone, eh, what difference does it make if it's 10, you know, or tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So, I hope it keeps going. I, you know, have been asked, is there more benefit to having 500 episodes than 360? And I hope I get to say at 500 episodes, guess so, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on, by the way. Thank you for being a guest. We really enjoyed profiling mm-hmm. your book, which I have right here, by the way. In case oh, you haven't good. read it, it's called Sometimes Daddy <laughs> Cries by <laughs> Todd Ranabon. It starts wow. a discussion Fabulous. that can well be pronounced. very hard to have. Oh, I, I grew up with the store oh, in Madison, right. Wisconsin. It was Renabombs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. People in my own town can't say my last name, but people in Wisconsin can. There you cool. go. There Weird. you go. Uh, is, is there anything else that you guys want to promote or all? Do you have any books or any of the other kind of... Anita does. Or your... Oh my gosh. Business. Yeah. Well, I've written a couple of things. People, oh. people could go and find, I, I, this was several years ago, but I was trying to distill pretty much everything that I thought was helpful about seeing a therapist into one book. <laughs> so, so that if people wanted to try to really make a major change in their life, I could guide them week by week and step by step to be able to do that with everything that I had learned about what works, what doesn't work. So I wrote a book, hmm a while ago called a year to change and, and loved, loved the writing of it. Love that people are using it. I still have people write me and tell me that they, they love it and it's really helpful. So I need to update it. Cause again, I wrote it back when, um, gosh, in the 2014, 15, 16, 17, something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, it's out there if people want to look it up a year to change. <laughs> I love it because it addresses the accessibility factor. You know, you can do that if you can do that yourself. And again, I think all those things are easy to do when you're feeling okay, like a safety plan. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's great. Mm. Send me a copy. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of your practice? Or are Uh, you booked up? Oh, I... Well, no, I am. I am still taking. Uh, I'm still taking a clients. You know, here, here, and there. Um, it's Sands and Sands Psychological Associates is my therapy practice, and my coaching practice is called Building Calm Life Coaching. Mm-hmm. So I love the, the idea of of building a life that's calm. Calmer. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would love that. Sands is her last name. S A N Z. S A N Z. Zebra. 
Yep. Ah, aha, that's French. Sans, yes. Sans regrets. Actually, it's, it's, um, my, that's my husband's last name. His family came from the Canary Islands, Ilos de Canarios in Spain. So, yeah, Uh, Spanish. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Well, I'll cut that out then. (laughs) (laughs) Cut it out, Todd. I would love people to think I'm French. That would be. (laughs) Oh, may we. Thank you both so very, very much. Their podcast is amazing. I was even on there. (laughs) So if you want to check them out, you can do that pretty much on, well, anywhere that you can get podcasts, I believe. Uh, But of course on Spotify, you know, all the major ones, Spotify, Apple, and all that stuff. I want to thank my sponsors for this week, Co-op and Sun, the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. And please check out my friend Robin on Instagram, RobinJoy underscore bizstrategist. B-I-Z-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-S-T. And she's amazing. She's like a virtual assistant kind of thing. She'll help you organize and strategize and prioritize all the things in your business. Uh, So yeah, she's been helping me out and it's been great. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something because my brain is full of trying to figure out this computer. Um, so anyway, I'm, if, if I was supposed to say something or, or plug something and I forgot, I'm terribly sorry. I'll try to remember next week. Uh, but until, until next week, please remember to make your beds and to take your meds. Bye. Registered nurses are on the front lines of this nursing crisis right now. I feel like we don't have all of the resources and the tools and the staff to ensure patient safety 100% of the time. Everyone is trying their best, but it's not sustainable the way we're going right now. There needs to be something changing. The nurses across Saskatchewan need to be involved in conversations with the government to try and find solutions. We have ideas, we just need to be involved. This has been a message from the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses.